I shall not want. He, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leads me through the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I'm so glad that the psalmist wasn't having a hard faith day that day, and he said, thy rod and thy staff protects me. Mm-mm. He said, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You know what that means. That means I can sit down with my family and we can have a beautiful meal together when all around us the storms are raging and we can know that we're going to be all right. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How long? Forever. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All ye lands, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord He is God, and it is He that has made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people, and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him. And bless his name. For the Lord is good. Even when we don't understand. The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. It's new every morning. And you know, sometimes I get worried about my grandbabies and what they're going to do in this old world. But my Bible says his truth. And this just hit me a couple of weeks ago. Jimmy, his truth endureth to how many generations? All generations. The world can try to stamp it out. The world can try to make us all look like crazy people. But you will not destroy the word of God. It will always be until the day that the eastern sky is split and Jesus comes back. It will always be because the word of God was in the beginning and the word of God will be at the end praise his name I quote that scripture to you because Psalms 23 and Psalms 100 I I, I want you to understand something I, I didn't learn that at Sunday school my mom and dad didn't teach me that I, I was a I, I was I was an ADD crazy kid uh, way before they knew what it was. 
they just knew that, that even when I was sitting down, I was running around in my mind. I mean, I, 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 I'm the kind of like the guy that gets the Daisy BB gun for Christmas. You know, when I was sitting in a classroom, my mind was out fishing somewhere. I could not keep it straight. Still don't. I still chase rabbits all the time. The boy said, Dad, you know, you ch-. I learned all that scripture I just quoted you in first and second grade of public school. Now, can you imagine what Miss Martin must have gone through trying to teach me the 23rd Psalm? Now, I, I can't imagine it took the whole year to teach me that, but I've never forgotten it. And then Miss Steele in the second grade and how she had to be patient with me because I'm telling you, I was something. And for her to be patient with me and teach me that. And how in the world was she able to do that in public school? I'll tell you how, because the world was a different place. We live in a different world now. It's a different world. And we're in this world, and it's our own fault, because the world don't know any better. They're blind. They can't see. But we did. And our our parents dropped the ball and didn't fight enough with the... I remember when, when, when parents at our church would go to the coaches in the schools and they would say, look, we appreciate you, coach, but my son won't be at football practice on Wednesday or Sunday. That's, Sunday's the Lord's day and Wednesday's our prayer meeting time. And, and we want our kids to realize that God comes first and then sports comes second. And when we... Over the years, we just, I remember when pastors used to just get together and just fight, 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 fight about having alcohol in our counties, worried about our kids and our grandkids getting killed on the highways and stuff. And now it's in every restaurant and every store. What happened to us, Christian? What happened to us? I'm telling you, the enemy lied to us, and here's what he said. He said, oh, you shouldn't pitch a fit. You shouldn't stand up because it makes you look unchristian-like. And so we sat down. I, I want to read you uh, a little bit. I, I wished I could memorize everything, but I don't know how in the world I, I memorized all that. Uh, but I, I just had a few things on my heart, and I didn't, didn't want to miss them. Uh, I want to, uh, let's see, I want you to listen up right here. I want you to listen closely. And I, you know, I could have brought my Bible, but I would have had to put my glasses on. I didn't want to put my glasses on, so I blew it up to 24 font. (laughs) First Peter, chapter 5, listen to this. Starting with verse 6. Humble yourselves. You with me? Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. I wish he'd just left that due time off. Just he will lift you up. Like right then. But how many knows God don't do things right now? His time is different than our time. Cast all of your anxiety or all of your cares on him. Why? Because he cares for you. You know who said that? Peter. 
You remember what he did, don't you? Well, he did a lot of things, but denying Jesus three times? Knowing good and well Jesus done told him he would, but he did it anyway. And then, and then the last time he even said nasty words to make sure and convince the folks he did not know this man. But you know what? Jesus loved him anyway. The rich young ruler, the story, have you ever read the verse that says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. He knew he was going to turn around and walk away. Regardless of what's in your heart today, if you're sitting there going, that guy is a crazy nut and I can't wait to get out of here and I don't believe in the Lord, I'm going to live life the way I want to, I'm going to do what I want to, when I want to, and ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. He loves you anyway. And he will love you throughout eternity. Now that don't mean that he's sending you to hell, but he had to create hell for the... Satan and his angels, the devil, and those who choose not to believe him and his son, Jesus Christ. Those who choose after he gave his son to die on a cross to say, that don't mean nothing to me. What's going to make heaven such a wonderful place is everybody that's there is going to be there by choice. And, and, and by the way, Michael, a little plug for you. What's going to make the choir such a wonderful choir in heaven is everybody's there. Amen? Cast all your anxiety, your cares on him because he cares for you. Listen, church, he cares for you. I know some of you think he don't. Some of you get mad. I've been there. I know. Some of you feel like I do what I do the best I can do. Lord, why would you let this happen to me? The Bible don't say that God is going to, that there's going to be no tears in heaven. The Bible says that God's going to wipe the tears away. And I believe it's going to be when I get the chance to ask my questions. Now, it's going to be one of two ways. Either I'm just going to automatically understand and we're just going to talk about it or I'm going to ask him for the first time, Lord, why did you let this happen to my family when we're trying to do what you want us to do? And he's going to explain it to me for the last time. And when he explains it to me for the first time in my heavenly body, I'm going to understand. And he will wipe the tears away for the very last time. And I'll never cry again. I'll never be sad again. That's the God we serve. That's what's waiting on us. That's what's waiting on us. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion for someone to devour. I believe a great way to say this in this day and age, be alert and of sober mind. Church, listen to me. Do not, and I'm telling you this from experience, do not let your guard down. Put your armor on and don't you take it off because the devil is, he's finding every little hole he can find. 
I would have thought I'd have never admitted it to anybody because it would have sounded arrogant, but I, would, I thought in my mind, our family's solid. There's no way the devil could get in our family. There's no way. He found one little hole right around the backside he slipped in. You know, he's a snake. He can slip through some little places. He'll find a way to get you. He wants to get you. He's out to get you. He wants to make wrong look right. He wants to make right look wrong. He wants you to, to do things that you would have never done in a million years. And he won't just throw it on you young people all at one time. He'll just get you to try just a little bit first. And then a little bit more. And then a little bit more. Until one day you'll wake up and you'll wonder if you even want to live or end your life. It could get, get that bad for some folks. Don't. Don't you listen to this roaring lion who is seeking to destroy you. Don't let him do it. The devil wants to destroy families. He wants to because if he can destroy the home and the family, then, boy, he, he, I mean, he's, he's, got, he's got this nation in a mess. And, 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 and he's doing a pretty good job of it. I had an old farmer come up to me uh, years and years ago. And what he said to me, I never forgot. I know he's a farmer. He told me he was, but he was probably about six foot five. Had great big old hands, and he had his Sunday overalls on. I mean, they were clean and brand new. I could tell he just saved those for Sunday. And it, he waited until everybody was gone but me and the boys and the pastor. We were putting some speakers in the trailer, fixing to leave. And he walked up and he shook my hand like to broke it. And his lips started quivering. You could tell he was the kind of man that didn't like to show his emotions. But he said, Brother Dave, he said, I just want to tell you, it wasn't what you preached. I, I enjoyed what you preached. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't what you sang. Now, I enjoyed all his music. He said, but I just feel like the Lord wants me to tell you, it was seeing your family serve the Lord together that has changed my life forever. I want to be the Moses of my family. I want to lead my family. I want to be a better Christian example for my family. And I want us to serve the Lord together. Keep doing what you're doing. And it changed my life. And, 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 I mean, I, I don't know if you, I, I know some of you small business owners can imagine what it's like to try to take care of four families, just insurance, just health insurance. It's unbelievable. The average life of a music evangelist is about two years. This is our 29th year. If it ended today, I would still be so blessed. Resist the devil, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout this world is undergoing the same kinds of suffering. We are living in a time to where, you know, back when I was a little kid, you know, you would think of per persecution as being something that might happen over in another country or something. But now it's here. And some of us, if we live long enough, we might get to face the other end of a gun barrel. We might get the chance to say, yes, Jesus is my Lord. Pow! 
Are you ready? Because you know what, what this storm that I'm going through has taught me? I better quit preaching and singing and living. I better start thinking about what I'm preaching and singing. Because it's easy to tell somebody else what to do. But when the rug is pulled out from under your life, then what are you going to do? Is this thing you do every Sunday morning really and truly real? Are you going to be one of those that faces God one day and says, But I taught Sunday school, Lord, all those years. I, I sang in the choir, Lord. I, I, I ran the sound. I, I did this. I did that. And, and the Lord's going to look at you. And I'm sure he's going to regret to say it, but he's going to say, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I don't know you. Don't let that be you. Don't do it. When Jesus is just a prayer away, make him Lord of your life. Make him Lord of your life. Don't let your guard down. And he says, Peter says, the God, and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while. Lord, why would you say that? Why have you got to say that? Why couldn't he just left that part out? I wished I could stand up here like some of the the, the evangelists around the world and pastors that, and tell you if you become a Christian today, your life's going to be great. But Jesus said in John sixteen thirty three, in this world, he said, you will. He didn't say you might. He said, you will have trouble. But then he smiled. That's David paraphrase. He said, but don't you lose hope because I have overcome the world. Praise the Lord. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will, he ain't going to get somebody else to do it, will himself restore you and make you strong. Firm, steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. I, I loved it when he gathered around the disciples just a few days before his death. He could see they were just torn all to pieces. They got all these misconceptions. They thought, I don't know what they thought, Jesus was going to do his kingdom here on this earth. He's going to do this and that. And they... Uh, they found out different, didn't they? But he gathered them around, and he, he looked at them with those eyes of love. And he said, guys, listen, I love you. He said, let not your hearts be troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled. He knew they were all going to probably, most of them were going to be beheaded other than John, and he ended up, thrown on an island by himself for the rest of his life. He knew all that. But God looks at eternity, folks. Listen to me. God looks at eternity the way we look at yesterday. He knew the check in the checkmate before the first pawn was created, much less moved. That's the God we serve. He knows 
He knew your name before you were born in your mother's womb. And he knows he has a specific plan for your life. He just needs you to be obedient and say yes. And he knows exactly where your life will head. But he knows, unlike us, sometimes, where it's going to end up. And that is with no pain, no sorrow, no sadness, no sickness, with loved ones, with friends and family, forever and ever and ever and ever. And then you get started again. And then forever and forever and ever. Then you go sing a while and you sing forever and ever and ever. And then you go see Jesus and you talk to him forever and ever. And it goes on and on and on. And you never go to sleep because you never get tired. Never gets dark because Jesus is alive. I got to hush and move on because I got I got a little more I want I want to do. I, I love this Matthew 11 where it says, "Come to me, all you that are weary and burdened." And I will give you rest. Take my yoke and, and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burdens light. See, Satan wants you to believe that your life is in such a mess, you ain't got no hope. And boy, if you were to come to Jesus, he's going to tear you up because you done messed up. Roaring lion, liar. Satan is a liar. He's lying to you. He wants you to think that. My Bible says, for my yoke is easy. Easy. And my burden. It's what? Light. Oh, guys. I'm full. And I know I can't go past 12. I know. But y'all bear with me. I just uh, got some stuff on my heart. I believe somebody needs to hear it today, but mainly I do. So if you don't get nothing out of it, just bear with me because I need to hear it myself. I'm preaching this message for me. The guys have no clue. But you know what? They've been so supportive because God taught me just a few weeks ago. He said, David, I, I've tried to be, Brother Jimmy, I've tried to be all preached. I travel with these evangelists, and I hear them do all these wonderful things and preach these wonderful messages, and I would try to be that, you know, when I'm just an old ignorant country boy. And, and God said to me one morning, he said, you know, he, he said, David, I just need you to be who you are. I blessed you with certain gifts. I have laid my hand on you and anointed you. To be David Aiken, not anybody else. I don't need you to be Billy Graham. I don't need you to be anybody but yourself. And I need you to use the music and my anointing and let my Holy Spirit preach the message. Let me talk to the people because what I say to them will change them forever. What you might say to them may only change them for a few minutes. Let me talk. And I'm trying to do that. And I hope that your life will never be the same today. Just want to share a couple of things with you. I'll keep it real short. You know, Jesus, he oftentimes told parables, told stories, because he understood that uh, some people needed it broken down into those little stories. And one of those stories about two guys who wanted to build a house. 
And so they go to Tommy McDonald and they say, Tommy, I need you to build me a house. And so they design the house. Where do you want your house? One guy says, well, I've got this huge house I want to build. I got these fancy furnishings I want to put in it. I want it, I want it right down there in the valley. Tommy says, that's not a good idea. Down there in the valley, really don't have any place to sink a firm foundation. You sure you want your house? That's exactly where I want it. All right, we'll build your house there. Another guy says, I want a, I want a house. It's not quite as nice. Don't have all the fancy furnishings to put in it. Where would you like this house built? Well, I've got a place right up here on the rock. I know it's going to be hard to do. I, well, we, we can do that. We're going to sink the foundations deep in this rock. It's going to be tough, but we'll get it done. And two men build a house. And then one day, Jesus says the storms came. The wind started blowing, the rain started falling, and the water started rising. And it says about the house built down in the valley, that beautiful house built in the sand with those nice furnishings and those many rooms. The house collapsed, washed away. The house built on the rock, although it may not have been as nice, That house stood firm. Why? Because it had a solid foundation. Some of you here today, you're building your houses, your lives. Some of you building some beautiful lives. Built with wonderful things. But I'll tell you the truth. I'd rather have a shack on the rock than a mansion on the sand. What matters is the foundation. That'll determine whether your life stands at the end. Whether the Lord says, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into your rest. Or whether you hear the Lord say, depart from me, I never knew you. Where are you building? Where's your foundation? If it's in this world and the things this world promises and offers... It's uncertain, unsure, and destined to fall. But if it's built on the rock, it'll stand not only in this life, but forever. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. He's the rock. He's the foundation. And if you need, if you need to change the foundation, change where you're building your life, the good news is it can happen today. You come to Christ, you confess your sin, you trust in him, you begin to follow him. It's a wonderful thing that happens. The Bible says that you were blind, but now you see you were dead and now you're alive. Your eternal destiny is changed because you've trusted in Jesus Christ. If you need Jesus now. If this is your moment of decision, if God has worked through something that David is saying or the guys have sung this morning, then I want to give you an opportunity to respond to whatever the Lord's placed on your heart. I want to pray for you. And then if you need to pray, I want you to have that opportunity.